0: Welcome to the Inner Dominatrix Podcast, the show that gets you stepping into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. I have another exciting guest with me today. And just before I jump in and introduce him, I want to remind you to make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode because those solo episodes are there. They're secret. I don't promote them, but they're just for you. That's where the juicy content is. So make sure you subscribe. Everywhere that podcasts are available by subscription, and coming soon to Spotify. All right, let's jump in. So, Tim Packer, I met Tim at a recent CAPS meeting, which CAPS is the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, and we got to sit and have dinner. And I was really impressed with what he's doing and how he's showing up in the world. And I thought I've got to bring him on to to meet all of you because. Tim is a very talented artist, and you know there's a stigma in the art world where it's the starving artist, but Tim has been dramatically shaking that up, making not only making a good living, but now starting to mentor other artists on how they can make a good living as well, doing what they love. So welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you. It's uh, good to be here. You've made this transition, you know, and you told a little bit of this story when we were sitting having dinner, and so I want you to recap that, how you went from starving artists to where you are now.
1: Okay, so I I knew when I was 12 years old that being an artist was what I wanted to do, so I mm. took commercial art in high school, I took graphic design in college, because then the conventional wisdom was if you want to be an artist, like you couldn't just paint and sell your paintings, you had to be a commercial artist or a graphic designer. So I graduated from college and spent two years um, as a starving designer. I came out of college in 1980, so the absolute worst time for the economy. Oh, yeah. And after two years uh, being laid off, my third job, and these were entry-level positions doing pay stub, which doesn't exist anymore because we have computers. But these these were entry-level positions and still getting laid off, and I just thought this was not the dream, and I want to make a living. And the Toronto Police Force was hiring Uh, And I had an uncle who was on the job who thought I would enjoy it. So he talked me into putting an application in, and I did. Um, And then next thing you know, I got hired. Uh, And then I found that I really loved that job. So I put my art on hold for a number of years. I really didn't paint at all for about four or five years. And then I started getting back more serious about it uh, until it started taking over my life again. But my plan then was still, you know, I'll do my 30 years. And then I'll retire and then I'll have another 30 years to do what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) Um, And then something really tragic happened. A a good friend of mine in the police force was murdered um, on the job. And that was my wake up moment that, you know, the big guy hasn't signed on to my plans. There's no guarantee I'm going to have until 80 years of age or 90 to do what I want to do. And if this is what I really want to do, I need to start getting busy at it now. So that was around the mid 90s. And I really just threw myself uh, back into into my art. But I also read, I read an article at that time, an interview with an artist by the name of Harley Brown. He was actually from Canada, which is really cool. Um, And it was about successful artists. And the book was called How to Become a Successful Artist. And I thought, well, that's what I need. And what the author did is he interviewed all of these artists who were successful. And it was like, how did you get from here, which is loving art where there's millions of people, to actually living your dream? And Harley Brown said something that really resonated with me. He said, it's not about talent. He said, talent is overrated. (laughs) It's all just about hard work. Uh, And I remember my initial reaction to that was, screw you, Harley Brown. You're probably one of the best people, right, that it came to. And it's like, I worked really hard. um, But a little voice in the back of my head said, what if he's right? What if Mm. he's right? And it isn't about some gift. It's about hard work. Because I had by that time kind of accepted the fact that some people were gifted and had it and I wasn't one of those people Um, but I thought okay I'm going to assume Harley Brown is right for one year and and what he said too is it's not just about doing the thing that you love it's about being brutally honest saying what is the what is the most deficient thing I'm in right now what is my biggest weakness and then instead of avoiding it attacking it until you can make it a strength and then just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, and go on and on. And literally, within a year, my life had changed. Um, I was I was getting into jury shows. I was selling work. Um, and then fast forward to four years later, where um, we just had a very successful open house. Um, and this is one of those conversations. You know, you have those. I have probably five or six conversations I've had that have changed my life. And so this was with my wife. Um, and after the show, she said, "You need to sit down, and we need to talk." Uh, and I thought, oh, no, like I've seen the movie <laughs> <It literally laughs> ends well. Um, but what she said was, um, we need to talk not about if you leave the, the police force to paint full time, but when. Oh. And you could have knocked me over with a feather because we'd had a conversation a couple of years before where she said, you know, I'm really proud of you and all of the success you're having. Just please don't ever come to me and tell me you want to quit to paint. Because we have two young boys who are preschool age, they're going to go to university. You know, you've got a great job, you've got a pension. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she said that to me, it, it was like I couldn't believe it. But then she also said something which I think was just as important um, in determining my success. And she said, "I'm not on board for this because I want you to be fulfilled." It's like, sure, I'd love you to be fulfilled. We all love to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm on board for this because I think it just might possibly be in our, our best long term economic interests. And wow. as long as you are willing to take this on with that in mind, um, and also if it ever becomes apparent that this is not in our best long term interests, then you will put on a suit and go get a job she said, I fully support this. Um, and at that time, I was a detective working in the commercial crime unit and the fraud squad. So I was investigating frauds that were over $2 million. Um, and so I also knew that was a skill set that had a lot of value in the corporate sector. So I had my kind of fallback. If this whole art thing didn't work, mm-hmm. you know, I had, a, I had a career I could go to. I don't recommend uh, people losing their homes or anything else by just saying, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, and my wife also had a very good job at the time too, which made this a lot easier, but yeah, so that was, and so this was in 1999 in the fall. And I thought, you know what, new millennium coming, what better time? So I actually, my actual resignation date was January 4th, uh, 2000. But when I went home for my Christmas vacation, uh, at the end of 1999, that was my last day as a police officer.
0: So, Wow. What an incredible journey. And, you know, what I love in this is that, um, A, you had a supportive partner who, you know, when she saw that it was it was working and, you know, not only are you fulfilled, but also there's something practical in this in that she could get behind you and, and support you. But the fact that you took stock and said, what if? Yes. What if it's about the other hard work, not the actual, you know, talent piece? Yeah. Because that's, that's the piece that I see, you know, in, in, in any kind of art, whether it's, you know, hands-on healing or, you know, painting, writing, speaking, speaking right. There's tons of uber talented people who are crappy at marketing. And so they suck at making money.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I love too the fact that, that talent, like again, when when Harley Brown said talent is overrated and, I didn't really understand it, but, but it's kind of like where you are right now, your talent, that doesn't matter because talent, extreme talent, isn't something you're given. It's something you acquire, mm. like You acquire it through massive effort in the right direction. And so it's like trying to predict who's going to win a marathon when they're 40 years of age by watching a bunch of kindergartners run a 50 yard sprint. Right. That's- person who's going to win the marathon is the person who trains hardest for the marathon even if they were the last person in that 50 yard sprint as a five year old
0: what a great analogy i love that cuz it's true it's what are you nurturing and and the fact that you sat down and said okay what is what's my greatest weakness and let me funnel a whole bunch of energy into you know learning how to get that better learning how to make that work and and i know for myself like I've had people recently say to me, Oh, you're so good at Facebook. Like, are you natural? I'm like (laughs) far from it. Like I was the worst Facebook person eight years ago, like ugly, ugly.
1: (laughs) I like for me, that's the same thing. I've, I've kind of, I just gave a talk recently on, on using social media to grow and expand your business. Um, and, Two years ago, I thought social media was just about giggling babies and cat videos. <laughs> and I really thought like, it, it was a waste of time and had no kind of relevance to business. But then yeah. once I kind of learned a little bit and kind of bought into it, um, then it's like, okay, that's where I need to be. And that's what I need to focus on. And so then mm. I've grown two years ago I had less than 400 followers on social media and now I'm around 30,000. Um, and again, people, when I gave the talk, it was a lot of people my age and they were like, Oh yeah, you're good at this. And it's like, I didn't grow up with this either. (laughs) I Started learning how to do Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, like 18 months ago. But it's like, you know, I realized that if I wanted to, And and for me, the reason I got into social media was I I had a a situation, I guess about two years ago, I had a show uh, at a gallery in Yorkville, Um, and it was like the, it was like the movie version of an artist successful show. Um, Mm. there was, so the show opened at six o'clock. There was a red carpet leading from the front steps with the velvet rope. There was a lineup of people waiting to get in. Wow. in, they were greeted with live music and there was waiters walking around with trays of drinks and sold stickers were just going up all over the place. Um, and I realized that I also, as I was seeing the sold stickers go up, I'd had a very good year, but I realized I was going to make over $200,000 that year as an artist, which is like insane. It is. Wow. And so I, I kind of basked in the glow for about 20 seconds. And then I had a really strange reaction. I almost felt guilty. Um, because Mm. I've realized like I'm living the dream. I have achieved my dream, but it's not because I'm special. It's not because there was anything extraordinary about me. It was just that I, I was able to figure out what I needed to do and then do it. And over 18 years, become an overnight success. Sort of. <laughs> yes. But I, I also realized that you know everything that I've done, there, there, are, there are probably millions of people around the world who have the same sort of skill level that I had as an 18-year-old, 20-year-old, or whatever, um, and then as a, as a 35-year-old when I started getting serious again. Mm-hmm. Most of them First of all, don't believe they could ever have a successful career as an artist. And even those who give it a try are probably going to direct a lot of their energies in the wrong places. And it's like, I have mm-hmm. all this information. And I thought, if I get hit by a truck tomorrow, everything I've learned about how I got from there to here is gone. And so I decided right then and there that, and I'm a, I'm a big believer in karma, too. I, I think, you know, when, when things are going really, really good, I start to get a little worried because it's like, okay, <laughs> I don't deserve this. And, in every, you know, in every life, a little rain must fall. <laughs> so I thought, I'm, I'm also a big believer in hedging my bet. So I thought, I'm going to commit to giving back and giving back everything that I've learned. So I started my YouTube channel. And I thought, I'll I'll do these great videos. I'll put out all this content. Um, And so I went and we invested like $25,000 in equipment to do these super high quality videos. We put the videos up on my YouTube channel. And six months later, uh, I had 20 views of each video. I had like eight subscribers. (laughs) And and it was like, you know, if you build it, they won't come. Not necessarily. (laughs) No. Because they've got to know you're there. And so that's actually why I got into social media was to promote the fact of the YouTube channel. Um, right. And, 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 I, and so I discovered Gary Vaynerchuk. So anybody that's interested in social media, like everything I know about social media, I learned from watching his videos. But I started really getting active in social media to promote the YouTube channel. And a funny thing happened. It started leading to more and more and more direct sales to clients uh, to the point that, um, I guess, two years ago, I was in about 12 galleries Um, And I was starting to get all these requests uh, directly from people who were seeing my work on social media about buying work. And I was just saying, well, you'll have to go to this gallery, you'll have to go to that gallery. And I realized that's really not an effective business strategy. If I'm doing all the promotion. Mm-hmm. And I'm sending them someplace where the gallery's taken 40 or 50%. Um, so I started cutting out galleries. Um, and then last year, I was still in about seven galleries. And I did more total sales to clients than all those seven galleries combined. Wow. So now I'm down to three galleries. Just the three original galleries that really had a big impact in in helping grow my career. Yeah a big believer in, you know, you dance with the one that brought you. So I'm yeah. staying with them as long as they want to have me. I'll stay with them because they were good to me when I needed it. Mm-hmm. But, like my business has just changed so dramatically because of social media. And, and I'm just really excited now about, about where it's going to go from here. Cause I really feel like it's just start. So
0: I love excited. it. Yeah. And, you know, you say because of social media, but really it's because of your diligence to figure out how to make social media work, your dedication to learn, how yeah. does this actually, you know, work and get those following, you know, yeah. it, that's, that's the key. And you learn that you, you know, you didn't, it wasn't an an innate it's skill.
1: It's the same for anything. right? So the person that works the hardest uh, and especially <laughs> if they apply it in the right direction, Yeah. We're going to do the best in the long term. And and everybody thinks there's some secret or some gift. You know, I I love that when people say to me, Oh, you're so lucky you have this gift. (laughs) I'm seven years old, no one thought I was gifted. Right. 17, no one thought I was gifted. Even when I left the police force, no one thought I was gifted. But now at 56, it's like, Oh, you're lucky you have this gift. (laughs) Yeah. 35,000 hours of painting will give you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you know, and I always remember, like my girlfriend, she was um, a jazz singer for years, and you know, there was there was always this talk in the industry of like people being mad at certain singers who made it big and going, well, they're not the most talented, and so they shouldn't be the ones. And it's like, well, but they did the marketing, like, you know, and and it was that conflict between, well, you know, if you're really good, you shouldn't have to do the slimy marketing.
1: That that is a. <laughs> That leads me to something that's one of my favorite things, which is about being pe- people who are romantic about what it is. And they spend all their time, um, you know, thinking about the way it should be mm. instead of living in the world the way it is. And I loved the the thing that Darren LaCroix said at, at the Caps Talk the other day. He said, if you want to be a speaker, a professional speaker, you have to remember, first of all, you're in the business of speaking. And if mm-hmm. you forget that, you won't be speaking at all. And yeah. it's the same thing. If you want to, as far as I'm concerned, there's only one reason to want to be a professional artist. And that's because you want to be able to get up every day and go in the studio and create whatever it is you do. And you want to work your entire life to achieve your maximum potential. That's, that's why you want to become a professional artist. Well, the only other way that you could do that is to be, I guess, independently wealthy um, or have a very rich spouse or someone who just allows you to go in the studio and paint. Yeah. If you don't have that, the only way that you can find a way to make that your life is to make it a successful business, um, and that's why I say the fact that my wife kind of couched this whole this whole enterprise in those terms, I think, is a huge part of my success because I know a lot of people. Um, so right before I was, uh, before I left the police force, I was elected as a member of the Canadian society of painters and watercolor, which is a pretty elite group. And, um, you know, one of my, one of my, my kind of these moments you just remember, I was standing at the arts and letters club, having a beer with Doris McCarthy, uh, who was a member and former president of the society. And I, at that time she was probably Canada's most famous living artist. And I just remember thinking, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I'm here in this company. Um, but in the 18 years since then, I've gone on to have an incredible amount of financial success. Well, I know a lot of other people who were as or more talented than me have not. Um, and it is about that whole thing of being romantic about, well, I shouldn't have to do this stuff. Mm. And it's like, I'm, I'm sorry. But my, my belief is, you know, if you have the audacity to want the world to provide you a living for doing what you love to do, you better be willing to work harder than anybody else works at anything. It's not something where you sit around and think about what you're going to do. And when <laughs> the strikes you, you go <laughs> and then expect the world will come to you to buy your art. It's like, no, I'm I am one of the luckiest people I know. I, I get up every day and I get to do what I dreamt about doing when I was eight years old. And I don't take that for granted. And I know if I want to keep doing it, I have to keep working, Um, not only just on my art, but the business of being an artist, because that's the only thing that allows me to go in and spend my time painting.
0: Oh, so well said, Tim. And this is this is why I wanted to bring you on the show, because that's a big piece for me is I, I really believe that if you are doing what you love to do, it's your duty to also tell the world what you're doing because they're not going to magically find you. You know, as much as I would love to just be discovered, like, Oprah, come on, you know, knock on my door. (laughs) That would be awesome. Um, It's probably not going to happen that way. You know, she'll discover me when I have gotten the exposure enough to be in her sight. Exactly. And that's going to take some work.
1: Exactly. No one is, no one is, like, again, that whole idea of... um, you know, being discovered, you know, and, and it, it, it mm-hmm. did used to happen, right? Because there were people who were the gatekeepers yes. um, who had access to whatever form of media it was that people paid attention to. And if you were discovered by a gatekeeper and they kind of promoted you, you know, the old kind of, you know, the actress being discovered in the, in the soda shop and then becoming a star, mm-hmm. well, Those things are gone now because there's, there's no barrier to entry for everyone to be a media producer. So yeah. now the only thing that rises to the top is quality of content. Quality of content and you know, um the that kind of consistency of posting content and posting content that's appropriate to the context of the platform and all of this stuff I'm saying now, it just seems so common sense. I had no idea what it
0: meant to me. <laughs> it was, like I
1: was just giggling babies and catching
0: Yeah. So how much, I'm curious, how much time did you spend in those early, you know, so 18 months ago, you didn't really know how to work the social media. Um, How much time did you spend learning how to make that work?
1: I've probably watched uh, over 100 hours of Gary Vaynerchuk videos. I've read all four of his books. Uh, Tom Bilyeu is another guy, founder of Quest Nutrition, who's now starting to found a media empire. I've probably watched 20 or 30 hours of his videos. Uh, Lewis Howes. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's many, many hours of learning because it changes Mm-hmm. I remember one of Gary Vaynerchuk's keynotes from like a year and a half ago where, you know, his, his, his thing was like, nobody wants to watch your 10 minute video on Facebook, Johnny. Well, that was valid 18 months ago. Now, our hour and a half long videos on Facebook, long content are actually doing well. So it's <laughs> not even like you can just learn it and go, this is it. It's no. like, need to keep up. And then all the features that come in, it's like all of a sudden when 62nd video came in on Instagram. Um, and then there was Instagram stories and now live Facebook. And so it's, it's a continual thing of, of, of learning, but it always comes down to me. It's like, where do you want to go and what are you willing to do to get there? Um, and if they don't match, then you're not going to get there. Um, and so, yeah, it's a lot of time. The other thing I should say, um, So before I actually really bought into into the whole social media, I I was doing everything wrong. I had an Instagram account um, that my son was running for me. I had never seen it. (laughs) I actually said to him, don't come to me with people's comments and questions unless they want to buy a painting. I'm too busy to talk to them. Uh, So I actually had a um, Instagram account for a year that I had never seen. My son would just come in the studio and take pictures of me working and post them. And then uh, when I read one of Gary's books and he said, that's a common kind of statement he gets from people. I don't have the time to answer all these comments. And when I was reading his book and, he, and he, he put it in this context, he said, so you mean to tell me someone's taken time out of their day to actually type you a message to tell you how much they love what you're doing and admire what you're doing and you don't have time to say thank you, you arrogant, you know what? <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, that's me. Um, And I I got it like that was like a a, a like a major shift in my thinking. It's like, oh, I get this now. So I went back and I actually answered every single comment for a whole year on Instagram. Wow. While I was doing that. One of my posts, I think it got posted first on Art Fido and then it got posted on News of the World and it got like 40,000 likes and I picked up 1,000 Instagram followers overnight. So again, that whole karma thing, it's like, okay, yeah. I believe that you know when we're doing the wrong thing, sometimes we get signposts that just kind of say, no, you need to be going back this way. And when you're doing the right thing, I think that's the whole idea of synchronicity. The world gets into lockstep. So when that happened, that was literally, that happened within... Uh, three or four days of me reading Gary's book and deciding, okay, I'm going to do this. And it's like, okay, yes, this is what I need to do. So then when I, I was on vacation, actually when that happened. And when I came back, I just threw myself all in. And then later that summer, I had a post go viral on LinkedIn that got, was a picture of me with a big ping. It got like 110,000 likes. Wow. 100, and on LinkedIn, that's, that's huge crazy. on LinkedIn. LinkedIn actually suspended my account. Um, because they thought I was using illegal software to do this. So I was back and forth with their compliance people um, telling them like, like, I'm just answering the comments that you are sending me. And it finally got to the highest level of their compliance where they just said, if it continues, we're going to suspend your account. So then it was like, I knew enough now about media and social media to capitalize on that because basically LinkedIn is threatening to suspend my account for saying thank you. Uh, So I went (laughs) and I hired a publicist (laughs) <laughs> so that then became the story. So I was, Oh, I love it. I was on Global's National Morning Show with the painting that caused LinkedIn to suspend my account. I got. I was on 1010 Talk Radio. I was in a, in a number of um, print media and digital media, things covering the story. And the best part was this was all leading up to a solo show that I was having up at one of my galleries. Well, that painting, and so by that time, it became this huge story. The yeah. painting was in the first hour of the show, and an hour into the show, we got a call from uh, someone in England who was following the whole LinkedIn thing who wanted to buy it, and so they commissioned another one and so that was like a seventeen thousand dollar painting sold right away commissioned another one um, and i 'm still doing um, a lot of business through LinkedIn connections, which it's crazy. That's the other thing that, again, you, you'll, you'll be able to tell by the end of this, I'm a, I'm a Gary Vaynerchuk kind of fan, division. yes. But like he says, like, you can't just assume what's going to work and what's not going to work. You just got to try stuff because everything is changing so fast. And one of the things that once we kind of went all in, so my son works for me full-time too. He does all the publishing side of the business. Um, But he was with me as we were trying to kind of set up our social media strategy. We realized that the average LinkedIn user earns over $100,000 a year. So that's a place to be with a luxury product, right? Yeah. But it's like, how do I make myself or my stuff relevant to LinkedIn? Because so we both took a course online. Uh, about using LinkedIn, and it's like, have you got any ideas? It's like, no, like it just doesn't <laughs> seem to apply to us. And so we just said, you know what? We'll just do what we do on our, our fallback on on our other social media platforms. Is that the, at the very least every day we just take a picture of me at the end of the day with what I've done that day, um, and we post it on our social media sites. And so we just started doing that with LinkedIn. This was the second post we did, and it went bananas.
0: Oh my um, goodness.
1: And then that actually got me in Gary Vaynerchuk's weekly newsletter because <laughs> I really, you know, him and said, Gary, you won't believe what's happened. You know, I've fallen all your stuff, all your directions. And, you know, and I actually couched it in a lot of the language that he uses too. It's like, I know you say <laughs> you to, it to see if it works and it's like, who thought LinkedIn, but yeah. Um, so yeah. So I was in uh, his hustlers digest, the newsletter, the picture of me with a big painting. Yeah. And that was, I guess, a year ago. And now, now I'm mentoring this young artist, which that's something I'd actually like to talk about because that's, that's just going crazy as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's like, I know you and I had talked about this piece where you, you are having a bit of an internal struggle because originally you, you, you've built all of these youtube videos you wanted to share because you really wanted to give back to the art community and knowing that so many of them are in the starving artists so you know you kind of had that mindset of like oh I, i'm not going to make my money off the backs of artists which yes. is what you said to me and you know so you're going to have these wealthy patrons to pay your way and yet you know that's kind of a disservice to the artists i've
1: just actually realized that and that's that's. I mean, how long we got here. Um, but the other thing that I find is so important is associating yourself with other people who are like-minded, who will give you a kick in the butt when you need it or, or have a change in your thinking. And that was one of the things that I've got at the CAPS meeting um, as well from, from Darren and also just talking with yourself and, and other, other people there that, you know, it, it's like if I'm, I can only give so much of my time if I'm doing it for free. Uh, and I believe mm-hmm. that will have impact. Um, but if I'm going to give more time, I need to be compensated for that because otherwise it's taking away from my earnings on my other side of the business. And do I think that by devoting more time, I can have much more impact? Uh, yes, I do. And then the question is, well, who are you to deprive people of that or of the, of the choice to pay for that if they want right. Um, and so that, that was like a huge shift that I just got my mind around. So I still plan to put a ton of content up there for free. And if someone wants to do like what I did with Gary Vaynerchuk and watch 100 hours <laughs> of video, <laughs> yes. okay, little nuggets that apply to them, then that's yeah. fine. But if somebody wants, for example, an intensive program on, on how to price and sell your work, then I'll create... I can create a product like that that for those who are really serious, they can purchase it, and it will be much more um, focused in terms of giving them the content they want, but that's going to take a significant amount of my time to do, so at the end of the day, you need to be compensated
0: for it absolutely
1: and I'm cool with that now
0: and the other thing too I mean there's that whole um, mindset of people value what they pay for yes you know we want to say, oh money's not real and, and I talk about that money's not real but yet we're so conditioned that it's not valuable unless we put money out so and and there's huge studies so I remember back in the days when I was doing massage therapy, um, there was a whole provider study that was done third party provider payer thing and it was done in the physiotherapy world and they showed that the outcomes were significantly reduced the more detached the person is from paying for their their sessions totally. so if the car insurance is paying for it, their outcomes are like 75% less than if they're paying for it out of pocket. It's astronomical.
1: That was another aha moment again at the at the talk on Monday when Darren said, you know, you've got the exact same video. Person A is watching it for free. Person B is paid $150 to watch it. Who, do you, who is going to get more out of it? obviously the person who's paid because they're invested and they want to get maximum value. And that was another little aha for me. It's like, okay, get over yourself. Um, and you know, and, and the fact that, Oh, you know, like you can't charge for your work or or somehow the thing that I had is almost the same way that a lot of artists think by selling your work, you're kind of being commercial and kind of Mm -hmm. selling out, I had, I've had never had that with, with my work, but I think I kind of had that with my teaching and the information that somehow it was less pure if I was charging for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, exactly that analogy, just that's it, kind of, that's gone now. So I'm really excited now about what's ha- what's going to happen in the next year and a half, because now we're actually going to start looking at it. I've, I've got a book that I'm going to be starting and we're going to be creating some programs specifically for those who are really, really serious about pursuing a career as an artist.
0: I love it. I love it. You're going to create a, a really significant impact with that and shifting people out of the idea that being an artist means you're going to starve. You know, that yes. that needs to change. So brilliant. Um, I know we could talk for another hour, but I do <laughs> want to be aware of our time here. Um, so you have a solo show coming up. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so that's at uh, 2104 Dundas Street West. So it's a pop-up gallery. So that's another thing that I'm, I've am i just got into this year, the fact that now I have the ability to reach my fans. It's like, okay, you still need a bricks and mortar place on occasion to show your work. Yeah. So uh, this will be my third uh, time of actually renting a pop-up gallery space, and we're going to be there for the entire month of December. So I'll be there probably. I think I plan on being there every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, but we'll be open from Wednesday to Sunday from the first of December right up until I guess I'm not sure the exact days, but some we'll have a Boxing Day thing and we'll probably close up on December 28th.
0: Fantastic! Uh, so now, Did you yeah. say that was in Toronto? Yeah, in it, Toronto, Dundas West, Dundas Westvale, 21 2104
1: okay. Dundas West. Yeah, and Fantastic. all that will be on my website too. The information for that.
0: Yeah, very cool. And so, what, give us uh, give us your website address. Uh, www.timpacker.com
1: And for those who are interested in seeing the videos, uh, the videos, the teaching component of it, that's my YouTube channel. And that's uh, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Tim Packer Fine Arts. All one word, all lowercase.
0: Love it. And you've got over 100 videos in there. So people can really dig into some juicy content. Um, And it's it's
1: actually, it's funny, you know, when I watch a lot of the videos about entrepreneurship, it's like, well, you could just substitute artist for that. And when you're watching my videos where I say artist, you can just substitute entrepreneur for that because it does just cross over. Absolutely.
0: There's there's so much overlap. And, you know, yeah, it's great to have somebody who is specifically in your field for certain things. But for the most part, the information is so transferable and it's good to hear it from a different segment which was the other reason I wanted to bring you on.
1: Yeah, well, I, again, just look at look at the, I'm just thinking about how much value I got out of the meeting on Monday and it's a professional speaking uh, seminar. I I do some professional speaking where I speak to large groups of people, um, but that's not a big part of my business. But the, some of the insights that I got at that meeting are so trans transferable to what I'm doing now and actually are gonna have a bigger impact on the next year of my business than any meeting I could have gone to with a bunch of artists talking about art.
0: So Oh, wow. I love it. I'm so glad you came out. We got to meet. And nice to meet. I am delighted to have had you as a guest here, Tim.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure for me as well.
0: Thanks for tuning in to The Inner Dominatrix, the show that lets you step into your bold, sexy, fun-filled life. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to tell your friends about it. And if you're ready to own your inner dominatrix, then hop over to my website, inner and let's have a conversation to get you rocking your bold, sexy, fun filled life.